0: So it's Vision Sunday. We uh, we began last year, um, trying to be very intentional about. Rebuilding community, bringing people back together. We were coming out of this time of, of isolation. And we thought, you know, we need to be very, very purposeful about pulling people back together. Because people being together is, is healthy and good. And when it comes to being the church, well, we need to be together. And so we decided to do all sorts of different things. We, we pressed into um, some events Uh, that we thought would be community building, and we did some some different things that we haven't done before, and uh, that was really encouraging. We started in October, we started this thing called Community Groups, and that has been, personally for me, that's been amazing. I love my community group. We uh, have been redesigning, working to redesign our church governance and looking at Scripture and saying, what does this actually say here, and what, what are some of the essential pieces that need to be here? for a church to un- uh, function really properly and well, and so we were moving towards elders all year, and so much work was done on that constitution, and I, and I, and I realized there's someone came to me this morning and said, did, did you see this right here, and, and so there will be amendments to this thing, but that was a, that was a wonderful thing that we were uh, working on, uh, we've been working on our facilities, doing some changes here and there. Maybe you've seen some of those, and we we're hoping to create an environment that is better suited for community here, one that communicates life here on the campus. Just by walking onto the campus, you see something's going on here, and there are there's greenery, and things are growing, and, and something good is happening here. Uh, we did things like... Um, you know, making some changes to the way we look at finances. And uh, Derek Hopped and Dan Kami, they've been really instrumental in that. Judy Holbrook as well and some others have been really pouring into the finances and we're, we're moving towards uh, financial health and that's a really wonderful thing. Um, we've been improving the way that we've we've run our school and it's been just such a blessing to see the, the things that God has been doing there and, and and as I walk the campus and talk with students and teachers I just get this sense of, of joy here and' uh, it's, it's just a wonderful thing that is happening and all of this as we start to as we look back it starts to lead us to ask that inevitable question and that is what's next what do we have? out before us here in 2022 do we have some big changes well maybe do we have some big facility improvements maybe some flashier programming that could be kind of cool or what about more elaborate events we did those things this year but what about next year this could be really amazing you know we had a little of a carnival ride for one of our events out here well what if we get a roller coaster whoa that'd be amazing uh, what about better marketing we could always use some more of that. What about better coffee and better donuts and better refreshments, huh? Yeah, I, I'm thinking that. Well, <laughs> maybe someday, maybe someday, right? But but as I've been thinking about what 2022 holds for us, I think there's something far more important than all of those things. Something that is, is far less about spending money and you know finding contractors to do this or that and far more about looking at the core of, of who we are, or what we've been called to do. Something that if we, if we don't pay really close attention to this, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break us. Something that if we decide to neglect it altogether, well, then what are we doing here? We might as well just call it a day and throw in the towel because, you know, you can have a, a great facility and great flashy programs, but if you don't have this, well, can you even call yourself a church? Would you look with me at the book of uh, Luke? We're going to just look quickly at chapter 5 and see uh, Jesus calling the disciples. And uh, and we'll just kind of zero in on just a couple elements here today as we launch into a vision for 2022. And if you'd stand with me as we read that, I'd really appreciate it. We honor God's word that way. Um, not as a a rule that's hard and fast to follow, but just as an act of worship. And Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, says this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. They enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken and so also were james and john sons of zebedee who were partners with simon jesus said to simon do not be afraid from now on you will be catching men and when they had brought their boats to land they left everything and followed him may god bless the reading of his word you may be seated So in Luke chapter 5, we see a call of the disciples, some of Jesus' disciples, three of Jesus' disciples, and they're awestruck by the miracle that he performs. I mean, who wouldn't be after you've worked all night long, you've been awake all night long, and nothing to show for your efforts, and then this two boats nearly sinking because of so many fish that you catch and Simon Peter immediately realizes that Jesus is not like every other man there's something different about this guy he's 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 set apart he's he's holy he's someone that's not not subject to the rules of nature here. Something else is going on. They don't seem to apply to him. On the contrary, he's over and above those laws of nature. He's the, is he the one who created them? Is he the one that can control them? We saw him control this. Is he God? And so Simon immediately falls to the ground before Jesus says, depart from me. I am a sinful man, Lord. And in an instant, he realizes he, he's not worthy to be in the presence of, of Jesus. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here. Jesus, you should, you should just, just walk away now and leave me because I, I'll just sit here in the sand or in the dirt here on the shore. Uh, leave me because I should not be hanging out with you. Jesus, you deserve better than this. Better than me. You hang, hang around with a, a filthy, dirty, smelly fisherman like me, and do you know what my life is really like? And to Simon's words, Jesus simply says, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. The, the feeling that I can't come close to Jesus, the sense that, that he would surely not want me as his friend, that was immediately destroyed. It should have been Simon that was destroyed, right? It should have been Simon. As he quickly became aware of that reality that he's was in the presence of someone who was at the very least infinitely more powerful than, than me, he, he, he should have been destroyed. He knows his own failures. He he, he knows his life choices disqualify him to be in the presence of such a person. And yet, Jesus puts an end to his fears. And in so doing, gives him reason to think that men like him were exactly. The reason that he came. Jesus was calling people to himself. Not the cream of the crop. (laughs) Not the best of the best. Not the social elites. Not the dignitaries. Not the who's who's or the glitterati. No, Jesus was calling Peter. And if he's calling Peter, maybe he's calling everyone here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Well, that meant, Peter, I'm not going anywhere. It also meant, your sins are no obstacle for me. Whatever you know is going on or has gone on in your life, that is not an obstacle for me. I don't care how bad it was. Jesus was not going to be repelled by the, the muck and the filth. of of this man's life. On the contrary, that's why he came. It's not that, that sin isn't a repulsive, filthy, horrible thing. It's that our sins are the very reason that he was there. Jesus is calling Peter to himself. And at the same time, he's calling Peter to put out that call to others. Have you been called by Jesus have I? What did Peter, James, and John do? They, well, they pulled their net, their boats to shore, and they, they abandoned them. They not only abandoned their, their boats and their nets, all the fish that they caught. They never, probably never had a catch like this, and they leave it, and they follow Jesus. Have you done the same? traded your, your grip on getting ahead in life, the things that you could grab up for yourself that you're struggling to attain, all of your hopes and dreams out there that you're struggling to, to grasp, make something of yourself, to reach out and accept the hand of the Savior who calls you to himself. If you're a member of Bethany, the answer should be a resounding, yes, yes, I've done that. That's why I was singing. Didn't you hear me just now? I meant what I was singing. I I was worshiping here. And if you have done that, I hope that you know that, that above everything else, you've been called, you and I have been called to a lifelong pursuit of knowing god of 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 loving god of trusting god you and i have been called to a life of discipleship now that word discipleship it doesn't occur in the new testament it doesn't occur in the bible actually but the word disciple, Matheteo it actually does. It occurs a lot. And it's important for us to realize that being a disciple is not something that happens that that you become after you place your trust in jesus christ for the very first time when peter james and john left their boats to follow jesus they didn't become believers and then later on down the line decide we're going to be disciples now no they were disciples right then and there Because the moment you embrace the free gift of Jesus Christ, you say yes to the forgiveness that he offers. You say yes to the reality that he's your savior. Yes to the fact that he's the the one and only way for you to be restored to your maker. He is now your Lord. He is now the one that gives you life and your life is now all about him. That's the moment that you become a disciple. What is a disciple? <laughs> well, it's someone who follows a teacher and learns from them, right? They 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 become like them and they probably down the road represent them. It's it's more than simply being a student. A studious student that's sitting there in a classroom and listening to lectures. It's more like a mentorship. It's more like an apprenticeship. It's choosing the one person that you're going to devote yourself to getting really uh, close to and learning from and emulating and, and duplicating and carrying out the continuation of their work. That's what a disciple is. Is that what you think of when you think about your relationship with Jesus or is being a Christian a little bit more like a membership card or a, a life insurance policy? You get it. You move on. Uh, you know, if you're like me, you, you would never think of it that way. You would say, no, 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 no. I, I understand that, you know, this is not just a ticket that I'm getting to go to heaven and now I can get on with my life. I understand that. But then if you take a close look at your life like I do sometimes and I consider what my life is all about. And I realize... I'm a little closer to that than i like to admit. There are two calls that I'd like to put before us this morning. The first is this, that in 2022, we embrace a fresh understanding and resolve to be disciples. What does that look like? I don't think it's very complicated. (laughs) It just means asking ourselves each and every day if this day is first and foremost about knowing, loving, and trusting Jesus than it is about anything else. And that doesn't mean that every day we just throw our to-do list out the window. It's like, yeah. I'm just going to be Jesus, like Jesus. No, no, no. We've got things to do. We have responsibilities here, especially if you're a parent. you get got a lot of responsibility that you got to take care of there. And life is complicated, and we have to pay bills, and we have to pass tests and turn in assignments and do all sorts of different things. But that's just part of life, isn't it? We're just going through life, and we have to do certain things. But what I'm talking about here is a sincere desire to make each new day about Knowing Jesus more and loving him more and trusting him in everything. How do we seek to know Christ better? Well, we make it a personal priority to not simply imagine what he is like, but to actively and intentionally search out God's word so that we know what Jesus is like. It's not just asking uh, with a, a bracelet, some of you remember this, what would Jesus do but it's seeking to get our brains, in our brains, actual knowledge of what he actually did do. There are a lot of people walking out there uh, right now who will tell you, "Well, that's not like Jesus, or that's not like Jesus." And you say, "Well, where do you, where do you find that? Where do you read? That? Well, I I just know Jesus." I'm like, Excuse me? Really? Do you really know him? It, it means not coming up with questions. We come up with questions all the time, don't we? We're faced with them left and right as we talk with coworkers and we talk with fellow students. And we talk with family members. Questions and we go, hmm, oh, I wonder. And then so often we just leave it at that. And we let those little pebbles of doubt get in our brains, and then they fester. And before we know it, our faith is affected. But when we have questions, if we're seeking to be disciples, we're seeking answers. And we need to, we need to find out and build a, a framework here for what it is that we believe so that we have a worldview and a picture, a clearer picture, uh, to see reality. And Jesus said in John 8.31, he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. Are you abiding in God's word? Am I abiding in God's word? Is this the place that I'm dwelling? That I'm I'm just soaking in there? Like in that hot tub? (laughs) Am I marinating in God's word? We're disciples, aren't we? We're disciples. Maybe we're not. We need to know God more and love Him more. How do you love Him? Love is about loyalty, but it also is about worship, isn't it? It's about singling someone out and saying, "I, I love you." I put you way up here. You could be way down here. No one else thinks anything. You're way up here for me, and you worship. I'm not talking about what happens just on Sunday mornings. I'd done that all my life, gone to church. It's what we did, and we sang the songs, and we listened to the messages. But when it came down to it, my daily routine routine had nothing of worship in it. Nothing of worship, no serious coming on my own and saying, Lord, I, I love you. And God, you are magnificent. I mean, how often do we set aside time? I mean, sometimes we'll read like a little devotional or something like that. It'll give us a thought for the day. But how often do we just set aside time and say, you know what? Right now, I am going to praise God by worshiping him by just thanking him for everything that he is and everything that he has done. Friends, that's what we're made for. We're made for worship. We're created to know, love, and enjoy God. This is the first and greatest commandment, right? Jesus affirmed that in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. But I'll tell you right now, for the better part of my life, this is not something that defined or marked my days. The other things were far too important for me. I had to get on with my day. I had to get up. <laughs> I had to get dressed. I had to, well, I showered before I got dressed. Let's get that in the right order. You know, I eat breakfast. I do all the things that I did, right? Get assignments done or go to work and make money. Sometimes I even worked out. Not very often. It's so easy to say yes to all the things that i want to say yes to yes to hanging out with friends yes to scrolling endlessly through the social media feeds or yes to making sure i got my downtime right downtime is so important i have to watch my my shows or my movies that's that's important to my mental health so easy for me to work on projects. If there's anything that I struggle with, it's projects I have to accomplish. I love accomplishing, and I love thinking of new things that I can do, things that I've never done before. I love getting ahead. I love checking the, the little boxes off my list. I love making accomplishments, and I do all those things without giving any attention. No regular time to personally worshiping my Savior through intentional times of prayer. What about you? Are you you interested in taking your um, discipleship seriously this year and carving out intentional time to love God? I I found some really good resources that that can help you That have helped me, and it's it's been a real blessing lately. Disciples know God, they love God, they also trust. They trust. How do we grow in our trust? How do we learn to trust God more thoroughly? Well, we do that as we know Him more and we learn more about Him and we, we we think and develop this framework and we see how God is in everything and, and making things work and holding all things together and He's moving history in a certain direction. We learn to trust God more as we know Him and His plan. We, we learn to trust Him more as we worship Him and thank Him for all the things that He has done and our love grows and our loyalty to Him grows and we trust him more we trust him more as we go through life and face challenge after challenge after challenge things that we thought were insurmountable and god leads us through them and go wow i need to trust you for the next thing maybe the more we walk through life and the, the more we learn to trust him and that trust really works itself out in some neat ways it it leads us to say no no to anxiety And no to fear. Fear is being pushed at us from every angle. No. Because I know who my God is and whom I trust. And it leads us to say yes, doesn't it? It leads us to say yes to the things that God tells us to do. And we go, God, I I trust you. I don't want to do this. The road to happiness, everyone else is telling me, is this way. And you're saying it's this way. But you know what? I trust you. I'm walking your way this is what disciples do on a daily basis sometimes moment by moment basis are you and I disciples of Jesus Christ or are we just ticket holders are we intentionally seeking to know, love, and trust him? Is that the defining part of our existence? These things mark our lives more than, uh, more than being about just merely adopting a label, right? I can slap a Maytag label on any old cardboard box, but that box is not going to wash my clothes. It does nothing for me other than store things. Are we just label slappers? My friends, we can have a great-looking facility here. God has really blessed us here. The first time I came to Bethany and walked on this campus, I went, whoa, this goes all the way back, wow. We can have a great looking facility, we can have polished programs for all ages, we can have great sounding worship team, and thank God we do. We can have a packed house here, standing room only, overflow, We we can have all these things, and yet if we are not genuine, bona fide disciples of Jesus, Who cares? The world has enough clubs, and you can go down to the Irvine Spectrum or Bella Terra or any other new nice outdoor mall, and you could go, wow, this is amazing. Look at the pots they have in the courtyard here. It's taller than me. <laughs> I'd like to invite you in 2022 to make it about embracing a renewed Personal dedication to being disciples of Jesus Christ. That's that's saying, you know, what I'm not relying on so and so or so and so or so and so to help pull me along, but I'm going to take initiative and I'm going to say, look, I I am Jesus is is my master, and I want to learn to be like him. I want to know him more, love him more, trust him more. Secondly, let's take seriously and answer the call to be disciple makers. Disciples of Jesus are disciple makers. Not only did Jesus clearly command that in Matthew 28, clearly commands it. Not only did he make it very, very clear to Peter, this is what you're going to go do. You're going to now not be a fisher of fish, you're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to go make disciples. That's what he's telling him there. Not only that, it's just common sense. It's common sense that disciples of Jesus would be devoted to the very thing that Jesus was devoted to. Disciples are not only devoted to their master, they not only learn from their master, they do what their master does. The master shows them what to do as he does it himself, and they go out and they do the same thing. Jesus I don't think it was a coach like so many of these coaches that stand on the sidelines. Side they got the little radio thing and they're, they're just telling their players or the quarterback, here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do. And the quarterback looks, looks back to the coach and the coach is just totally out of shape. <laughs> yes, he's just, she's just giving the commands you go do it. And Jesus isn't that kind of leader. I think Jesus is more like a trail guide. And he's out there right in front. And he's talking to us on the way. And the rock that I'm about to go over, he's going over. And I'm going to watch where he steps as he's forge, fording this creek here. I'm going to see the, the safe places to step here. That's the kind of leader Jesus is. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. We've talked about that recently a lot. His disciples, whom he saved, whom he called to himself, they're to take part in that work by calling others to be saved by Jesus. Jesus walked with them. He talked with them. He taught them. He modeled it for them, what it looks like to know, love, and trust God. And that is what his disciples are called to do. They do as their master does. No one becomes a mechanic's apprentice when a a, a mechanic's disciple and says, you know what, I want to follow you, but I don't want to have anything to do with cars. It just doesn't make sense. That would be crazy. The mechanic would say, get out of here. What are you talking about? Don't waste my time. Being a disciple of Jesus, it goes hand in hand with being a disciple maker. That's what they are. They're in the business of making other disciples, who they are and what they do. But for some strange reason, I grew up in the church thinking that that was an optional thing. That's what the next level Christians do. And there came a point in my life, later on in high school, where I said, You know what? I think I want to do that. As if it was some type of revolutionary thing, looking up to God and thinking, Oh, you know, the clouds are opening up and the light is shining down. Now I'm one of his chosen elite squad people. And in all reality, he's probably going, "Uh, Yeah, that's a given, buddy. You're my disciple. (laughs) Duh. <laughs> Heard one pastor say the other day, if you tell me that you're a Christian who is not regularly evangelizing and discipling, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Christians are by definition disciples, and disciples of Jesus are disciple makers. It's what their master did. It's what they have devoted their lives to in an effort to be like him. When Jesus was just a boy, remember, they they couldn't find him. Where were you, Jesus? What were you doing? "I'm, I'm doing my master's work here. I must be about my master's business, meaning his father in heaven. Disciples of Jesus, they are about their master's business or they aren't the disciples that they should be. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Am I? Friends, the command that Jesus gave in Matthew 28, the call that he gave Peter in Luke 5, that wasn't some extra thing that would be nice for disciples to do, to add to their Christian life. No, it is the Christian life. This is it. This is the main thing. And that, that's why we come to church. That's why it doesn't work to be satisfied to, to just sit at, at home and watch the service online. I, I understand that there might be some exceptional circumstances when that's all we can do, and, and that's better than nothing, yes, but that's not the norm. It's not the norm, And it has to be the absolute last resort. Why? Because disciples have to be about the business of their Savior. We have to be about making disciples. We have to be building them up. We have to be sharing the hope that we have uh, with, with Christ. We have to be speaking truth into their lives. We have to be serving them. And that means actually meeting with them and being with them. You can't do this by watching an online service. You can't do it. Nor can you do it by posting a few little tidbits on Twitter or TikTok or Facebook or Instagram or whatever else is out there. No, you've got to be there with people. You've got to do it like Jesus did it. Paul talks about the work that he and his fellow missionaries did among the people living in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 2.7. He says, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Talk about intimate. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Paul's life was about making disciples. So he got up off the couch (laughs) and he shared not only the words of the gospel, he shares his own life with them. Friends, the time has come for us to face the music and embrace not only the call, but the reality that we are here to take ownership of our own discipleship and to be disciple makers. If the church loses sight of this, If we've become become content to say that a handful of people in the church, those, those we nominate, those we elect, they'll be the ones to go out there and do the discipleship, I think we're losing. No wonder the church in America has gone to rot. No wonder our children, by the thousands are walking away from their faith in Christ and going after other things. No wonder our streets are filled with homeless. No wonder our businesses are corrupt and our society is going to hell in a handbasket. No wonder countless millions are buying sugar-coated lies that wreak havoc on their lives. I'm not saying we're responsible for the sins of others. No, you're responsible for yourself. Each one is going to have to give an account, Romans 14, 12. But I do believe that the potential influence for Christ in our world is not what it could be because people who claim to be his disciples don't take seriously the reality that they are to be disciple makers. What would happen if we were a people who took seriously the fact that we're disciples and were intentional about making disciples, not just as a church, but each one of us? What would happen if we revisited the call to make a, a daily, Our daily pursuit, the pursuit of each and every one of our individual lives to come to to know God better, love God better, trust God better. What would happen if our lives were, were marked by not just getting by, or by making a buck, or by getting ahead, or planning that next vacation, or accomplishing this or that, or having a good time, but by intentionally seeking to come alongside and build others up? Our children, our, our spouses, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our fellow students, our, our fellow church members, build them up into fully devoted followers of Christ. How does that strike you? That's, that's jarring to me. That, that's exciting to me. That's something that would be absolutely astonishing to see. What if our church looked like that? It doesn't take a lot of people doesn't take a big budget so when might say okay yeah well I'd like to be a part of that but how does that really happen and what does that really look like and and how does my life become all about catching men or, or women or making disciples here Few just few few small little things here one pray not just once not just once a week but daily pray before you get dressed before you go out And before you're going to meet with someone, and before you're going to talk with them, maybe as you were talking with them. Just recently, and this is not to make myself look like some type of superhero Christian, but I've been praying. We have some non-Christian friends, and I've been praying for them for a couple years now. And each time we meet with them, I just, on the way over, just pray, God, give us opportunity. I can't, I don't even understand. It's amazing that the people are now just, Bringing it up. And they're just asking, well, well, well what's the difference between Christians and this? And, and what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And, do you? and they came to me the other day and they said, you know what? I've made a terrible mistake. My kids need to be in church. And I need to get them baptized. And I know when he said that, he didn't even know what that actually meant, but, there, you know, what, what real belief and faith in Christ was, but wow! We gotta pray. You hear it said over and over again, prayer works, prayer works, prayer works. And God asks us to pray. He commands us to pray. Pray without ceasing. Why aren't we praying for these opportunities? Secondly, we need to prepare. Be devoted to our own spiritual growth First. What are you purposefully doing to increase your knowledge, to prepare yourself, to always be ready to a, give an answer for the hope to which you have been called, With the hope within you, to, to, to know, we need to be ready and prepared to know what the Word of God says and how it relates to the things that are going on out there in our world, because people are coming at us all the time with questions. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? We need to know God's Word, be prepared, rather than just go... Man, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I, I do that so often. I don't want to do that anymore. Paul said in Romans 1, claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Friends, those lies are stronger, they're bigger, they're bolder, they're more prevalent than anything else, than any other time in my lifetime. It's incredible. And not only, they're, 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 our children are, are being bombarded with these sugarcoated lies and all of these fantasy tales of the way the world works and who we are and what we're all about what we're meant to be. And it's being innocently packaged in, in, in rated PG TV shows and PG movies and children's shows, cartoons. It's right there. They're being piped into our children's pocket devices right there. It's happening right here on our campus. I don't know if you're aware of this. Students here on this campus, there are many, many, many students here who do not know Jesus or who do not know Jesus as he really is. And I know my daughter is not the only one who is coming home and telling their parent, let me tell you what my friend said in fifth grade today. And you go, it's right here. It's right here. And are we prepared to give an answer? And, and, and to not be shocked, right? So often, you know, the, the stout, devout Christians, you know, we, we, someone comes to us with a question like that, often a child will go, oh my gosh, I can't, they're talking about that? And you, we have this reaction that just sends them further away. But to say, there it is. Yeah, I know. Hey, what do you think about that? Let's talk about that. Do you know what God's Word says about that? I've been thinking about this a lot. Are we prepared, ready to speak to these things? When those around us see us, can they see us living the way a believer should live? Can we, can we say to, to them, you know what, follow me as I follow Christ, just like Paul said. We need to pray, we need to prepare, we need to pursue. We're living in a culture these days where our tendency is to stay away. We were driving on the freeway the other day and just watching cars and what they do. And we are assuming now, it seems like we assume now that the person next to us in the other vehicle is an enemy or they are someone to be conquered. And when I move to my new house, I'm not thinking, oh, i got a wonderful new neighborhood. I'm thinking, who are the threats here? My friends, we need to start pursuing, pursuing others. Christ and his disciples, they're on a mission. They know that giving glory to God and bringing good to people, that's what they are all about. Their lives are all about this. And so they're stepping out in faith and they're actively moving towards opportunities. And you introverts right now like me are cringing and you're going, no way! Just get me away. In fact, just coming here to church and being in this room with all of these people, I need to get out of here as fast as I can and get home to my couch. We need to be actively moving towards opportunities to share the hope, to speak the truth, to serve our King as we serve His people and people made in His image. Disciples are pursuing people. Finally, disciples... They're making disciples as they, ah, this is not a good word, but as they parrot Christ. <laughs> they follow after the pattern of Christ. They do what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Have you, have you looked in God's word, in the gospels, and you watched what Jesus did and you've said, no, that's how to make disciples there. What was Jesus doing? Well, he was actively working to build relationships, just like like we were saying. He he didn't go into a cave, and he wasn't sending out smoke signals, hoping people got the message. No, he was going out there, pursuing the people, going to the shore and finding Simon Peter and James and John. What was he doing? He was teaching them. He was talking to them. To them about what is true. Time and time again, we see Jesus just teaching over and over again, having conversations, seizing opportunities to direct towards what is true. Disciple makers, they're doing that. They're doing what parents in Deuteronomy 6 are called to do. What are they doing? They're talking with their kids. They're talking with other people. They're talking when they they go to the store. And they're talking when they get up in the morning. They're talking when they go to bed at night. They're constantly looking for opportunities to pour into people's lives and point them to what is true. They're also modeling. They're modeling this. They're showing what it looks like to follow Jesus. People need pictures, don't they? I'm a visual person. I know most guys are, but I think most people need and want pictures and want examples of what this whole disciple thing looks like. They need to hear you pray. I don't like to pray out loud. They need to hear it. You need to give them a picture, an audible picture of what it looks like to pray. They need to see you reading. If you're a parent there, one of the most powerful things that you can do for your kids is for your kids to wake up in the morning and they see you either on your knees or with your Bible open and you are spending time in worship. They need to see you actively pursuing, internalizing truth and know that you are memorizing scripture, hiding it in your heart because they see you sin all the time. And when they see you memorizing God's word, you tell them, "I'm doing this that I might not sin against you." <laughs> Cuz you make me want to sin. <laughs> they're memorizing, they're trusting, they're forgiving, they're sharing, they're giving. They're giving. They're not just hoarding their money. They're saying, "There's a missions opportunity here, and I'm just going to here, take it. We were going to go on vacation, but you know what? We're sending people to go share Jesus." They're <laughs> they're saying no to sin and compromise they're saying yes to god they're stepping out of their comfort zone jesus walked and talked with his disciples he gave them an example what it looks like to be the person that they are supposed to be that god designed them to be we're all fallen image bearers right we're designed to image god christ was the perfect image bearer do it his way when, when his disciples came to him, they said, you know what? Teach us to pray. And he said, okay, open up your notebooks. So I'm going to give you 12 points. No, he said, this is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, do it this way. What kind of example are you putting out there for other disciples to follow and to learn from? That's one of the things that we've been really talking about as a leadership team here. We need to build a discipleship team here that, that disciples and models for our children for our youth, for our adults, for our women, for our men, for our seniors, we need to be modeling discipleship to each other and actually walking through times of, of worship, praise, and, and learning, and talking about core truths and all of these things. This, we, should, we should be modeling what it looks like to be a disciple. Finally, the last thing, disciple, disciple makers, they challenge others. They don't just teach, they say, go do. Jesus taught his disciples and then in Luke nine, he sends them out to go proclaim the kingdom of God is here. They go out and guess what happens when they come back? Super excited, this worked, this worked, this didn't work, Jesus, we need more. That's what happens when you send people out. Jesus invited people to himself and then he challenged them to go out. They go out, and then he invites them back in, and then he sends them out again. And guess what? Each time that happens, they become a little bit more like Jesus, and they know what the mission is, and they know how far they need to go, and they get back on their knees and say, Jesus, teach me, lead me, shape me, mold me, help me grow, because I'm not who I am. And I, I don't know about you, but that's where I am right now. I, want, I, I know the more, the closer I get to Christ and the more I do, the more I realize I'm so far, so far from who I need to be. Disciple makers, they intentionally seek to build relationships. They talk about what's true. They model what Christ's likeness is like, what the Christian life is like. They, they challenge, and that's how their master did it. Are you a disciple who's making disciples? If we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to call ourselves Christ's people and his church, then we need to be all about being disciples. More than a label. We need to be actively discipling others. Yeah, we can build a great facility. We are building a great facility. That new gate went in and I went, wow, that looks pretty nice. It's pretty cool. I actually have a button in my car. I push it and it goes... I don't know anyone else else who has that, I'm pretty special. Great facility, I love it. I love seeing things. I love tangible things. I love projects. I already told you that. And so there's so many projects that we can do, and I just go, yeah, let's do it. We can develop programs, programs that meet felt needs and people come from all around and they go, wow, Taekwondo on this campus, that's awesome. We could put on spectacular events that wow people. that come and they go, wow, that was really cool. I didn't expect that. I got a free hot dog. That was great. But if we're not first and foremost concerned about being the people that we were saved to be and doing the work to which we have been called, then we're just spinning our wheels, wasting our time. Let's re- resolve in 2022. To be all about being Christ's disciples. Let's give, give our all to knowing, loving, and trusting God more. Making that our personal pursuit each and every day. Carving out time in our busy lives. Maybe canceling some activities that we have on our calendar to make room for this. Because this is what we are first. And let's be about the business of the one we say we are patterning our lives after. Let's be making, forming, building disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen? Are you with me? Let's pray. Lord, I am convicted personally as I, as I share these words. We as a people, Lord. So many, so many people here, Lord, have walked with you for a long, long time. And Lord, I I look at so many and I go, wow, there's some people here I want to pattern my life after. But Lord, when we look at Jesus, we realize that there is so far to go. Lord, we want to be changed from the inside out. Would your Holy Spirit do a powerful work inside of each and every one of us, Lord, and give us a daily desire to, to, to grow, to know you to sit at your feet and learn from the master. And Lord, change us and shape us. Make us into the people that look like Jesus. We want to know you. We want to love you. We want to trust you more. And Lord, help us to be about our Father's business. May we recognize that we are called to be disciple makers. What does that look like? we got some... We're all unique, Lord. We're in unique places, doing unique things, and You've made us in 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 very specific ways. What does that look like for me, Lord? We we long to be to be Yours, and we long to be effective. We long to be used by You, and I pray that 2022 that we don't. There may be changes of the building or whatever, Lord, but those aren't the landmarks, the landmark moments are the moments where we say, this person came to know Jesus. This person was baptized. I grew personally, and I love meeting with you. Those are the things we want, Lord. The the monuments we want, 22. Would you make that happen? Lead us to be your people. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.